Sci-Fi For Me Radio presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is H2O. Hello, folks, and welcome to H2O. I am Timothy Harvey. And I'm Jason Hunt. And this is our episode before Thanksgiving. Yes. Because next week is Thanksgiving. Yes. I don't, I don't think we'll do an ex- episode next week. I think I we'll th- take next week off. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Yeah. We're allowed to do that every now and again, the holiday thing. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, so, and we're thankful for you guys for watching and listening, of course. <laughs> I guess we could do a, well, no. Well, we could come no. back after yeah, we Thanksgiving back. And, and, and talk about, there's a lot of things genre fans can be thankful for right now. Sure. Uh, and certainly that's something we could talk about. But and we could also do our, uh, our, our, our public television pledge drive. We certainly could. Our, um, our Patreon account. Yeah, we do have a Patreon account, and if you folks are at all interested in helping us do what we do, um, we would like to be able to do things like go to more conventions, not in the Midwest. Uh, there'd be some great places outside that we'd love to go to. This stuff, of course, costs money. New equipment, all the fun stuff that goes with uh, doing what we do and doing it better. Right. Uh, we certainly could uh, not turn down anyone who wants to support us for doing that. Right. Yeah, the the location, the URL, patreon.com slash sci-fi for me. And uh, the email, h2o at sci-fi for me.com. We'll just throw that out there at the beginning. Our topic this week. Yeah. So the news just came out that the sci-fi channel, SIFI, it's, well, it, it, it's sci-fi. It is sci-fi. It is Show sci-fi. them a little respect because over the last few years, no, I, and they have made efforts. They have made efforts, and they've produced some really fantastic shows. And I'm a huge uh, supporter and fan of Winona Earp. Mm-hmm. And I think if nothing else, if the Sci-Fi Channel had just put rolled out Winona Earp, they would have been light years ahead of where they've been. Right. But it's not the only show they've rolled out. No, they've and had they, they quite, have quite a few, and uh, fans have responded yes, positively, they, however, for the most part. the logo still says I know. S-Y-F-Y, and that's just a... I know. It's a bad branding, guys. I'm sorry. It's terrible branding. Uh, dear Sci-Fi Channel, fix <laughs> except your branding. Except they're not anymore. And, and, and when all of the when all of the branding back and forth... Uh, well, actually, right before we got started, this would be in 2009, mm-hmm. uh, when all of that was going on, there was a lot of discussion back and forth about the trademark. Yeah. One of the reasons why the network changed their branding is so they could trademark sci-fi. Uh, and it got pointed out in a couple of different places that NBC Universal at the time mm-hmm. owned the trademark for the sci-fi channel. Right. And apparently let it lapse. Yeah. So we could register <laughs> the sci-fi channel as a trademark. And uh, legally, we could probably be able to do that. But uh, not going to, of course. But as thought about it. As far as you know. Thought wah, about it. Wow. Um, yeah, it's – they they've made efforts, and we've had some we've had some interesting projects that have come through. Uh, not just not just in the series part, but in the miniseries. Um, although the one, what was that one that was it? Brian, uh, the one with the 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 mechanical the mechanical dinosaur on the moon. Um, shoot, mechanical dinosaur. Yeah, I, think I missed that one. I, uh, it was. I think it was oh, a Brian, no, no. Brian Singer. Oh yeah, yeah, Brian yeah, Singer yeah. Did the, it. Um, right. The 
the generation ship wasn't there supposed to be? No, that was that was no. Ascension. Oh, Ascension, yeah, which was which was which a, was terrible. Which was did not work out. No, um, but this was another one. Um, oh, I'm gonna have to look it up. Anyway, not very good, uh, but it was an adaptation, uh, and we've we've heard rumblings for the last I don't know what year now mm-hmm. that they were planning to do Brave New World. Brave New World. Hyperion has been uh, optioned on the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, uh, Dan Simmons. Gateway. Yeah. Um, And what's interesting is that the Sci-Fi Channel does not have, or Siffy, I I can't resist. I feel bad about that. You got it. I know. I got it. I got to stop. Um, Because because they've unblocked us on Twitter. They finally stopped blocking us. And nobody over there can tell me why they were blocking us in the first place. Well, you know. Ted uh, Ted Azari, uh, I I I got to give him props. We you know I tweeted out, "Yep, we're still blocked." They're like, um, "What? What's what's going on? <laughs> what?" So they they looked into it, and I don't know, whatever. We're but, happy to uh, talk because, like I said, yes, we, we yeah, we're glad. We as fans, when the Sci Fi Channel came into being, it was cool because mm-hmm. here was a channel devoted to and the uh, the, the genre that we love and. We had a lot of reruns of classic programs that we hadn't seen in a long time, um, or um, new programming and things like that. It was it was a really cool time, and yes. you had great shows like Farscape and you you know uh, Stargate moved to Sci Fi Channel and, and all these things that were just you know. Oh, speaking huge of which, uh, Dean Devlin in mm-hmm. an interview with Empire Magazine, right. Apparently, has put the kibosh on the Stargate reboot. Really? Uh, that I just saw it today. Uh, he's he's basically saying that a couple of months ago when they said, "Yeah, everything's coming together. It's all yeah, everything's going to be great." And <laughs> turns out not to be the case. Hmm. So he's looking at because the, the the basic thrust of it was, you know, we had this sense that we could get all the different guns firing in the same direction at the same time. Then, right. now it's a question of do we do it and do it wrong and the fans reject it? Mm, sure. Or do we just not not do it? Like, those, are, those are your choices? You know, how about do it right and the fans like it? <laughs> well, but I, yeah. I saw in a comment, somebody, somebody on a comment board was basically saying, well, when you, when you trash the series for the last 10 years mm-hmm. – and alienate all of the fans of the Stargate series, right. and then say, "Hey, we're going to make a Stargate movie." Well, you've you've just abandoned your audience, tossed them aside. That's true. So I can I I feel better that there's not going to be a Stargate reboot, <laughs> uh, mainly because I'm tired of reboots. Well, yes, and although I because I, I, one of the things, obviously, with Stranger in a Strange Land being the latest. Uh, the adaptations they're talking about. Yes, that's the news that came out this week. It broke um, Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah. Tuesday night uh, while we were recording Level 117. I got an email, uh, some different alerts from you know, Hollywood Reporter and Variety. It was all of a sudden just boom everywhere. And uh, yeah, Sci-Fi, uh, Universal Cable Productions, and Paramount Television mm-hmm. were going to be making this adaptation of Stranger in a Strange Land. Now, what caught my attention – 
was not well besides the fact that they were actually going to do this mm-hmm. you know my first question was how in the world are they going to do this <laughs> what other, the other piece of that news that caught my attention was that they are categorizing this characterizing this as a series not a mini series not a movie adaptation they're calling it a series and i thought to myself how are they doing it? does that mean that the book is going to be broken up into what 10 episodes 12 episodes 15 episodes 22 episodes two seasons four seasons how are they going to do this as a series now the advantage to that, of course, is that they get to tell the story over a, a greater amount of sure. time. Sure, and it is a it is if you especially going with the un, with the unabridged novel. Yeah, it's a sizable book, two hundred and twenty thousand words. And certainly, if you want to give some of those characters are very iconic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jubal Henshaw, if nothing Harshaw. else, I'm sorry, thank you, Harshaw. If nothing else, spending time with <laughs> that right. character, yeah, to. Basically, give the audience the immersion in the character they have. You have to that's have. that's what I can start doing. I can start calling when when we get more interns, mm-hmm. and I have them all over here at once. Yeah. I can start yelling front, <laughs> right? It is. Um, it's an ambitious project, and this is not the first time. Certainly not the first time that an adaptation has been talked about. Years and years and years ago, mm. Tom Hanks was oh, their choice. That's right. To play Valentine Michael Smith. Who would you get to play him now? That's a really good question because essentially, well, uh, in some ways, you're casting Jesus. I mean, because he, in, in, yeah. in many ways, he's a he's a Martian, he's a, Martian Jesus. He's a Martian Jesus. And what most productions involving Jesus have gotten wrong is usually the casting of Jesus. <laughs> I mean, okay, uh, when I was in when I was in high school, we did Godspell in uh-huh. the theater department. Yep. And um, we noticed something because we uh, we were up for uh, every year uh, in Muncie, Indiana. The International Thespian Conference gets together, and it's it's theater com- the- high school theater companies from all around the states and some international ones. So you can actually call it the International Thespian Conference. Sure. And uh, we were in competition with another high school who also had done Godspell. Okay. Mm, and in watching the and they won. Eh. Um, but in in watching their show and then talking to some of their actors, we discovered something: is that the character uh, who is essentially he's, he's both John the Baptist. There's a lot of doubling up in, in Godspell for those of you who have not seen the show. Um, the character who plays both John the Baptist, the John the Baptist character, and some the different names in the show, and the Judas character mm-hmm. are played by the same actor. Okay, so uh, the announcer and you know. Uh, the one who who betrays are are the same actor, and almost inevitably, that is the, the stronger actor plays that part than the actor who plays Jesus. Okay, sure. Same thing happens in pretty much every adaptation of Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> Usually, I mean, frankly, the Judas role has got the best songs, mm-hmm. and so you're like, you know, everybody wants to play Judas in that, even though even well, though sure. the star, everybody wants to be the villain. Well, yeah, because of all oh, the villains. Well, that's just every ask any good actor. You know, which are the more fun parts to play? It's mm. the bad guy because the bad guy has the best lines. But um, I will break you. <laughs> We're still waiting for Dolph Lundgren to say that on Arrow. We yeah, well, yes, that would be that would be. That, he hasn't said it fans yet. Fans would love that. He fans hasn't would said love it that. Yet. But anyway, um, it's tough to cast 
a savior character mm-hmm. because there's a lot of weight just by the fault of how the, of the character, right? I mean, right. you know, and then to ask an actor to fit into that role, it's there are certainly people who have done have done it and and done it well, um, but it is a challenge. It is a it is a tough job for any actor to carry, and it's a tough job to cast it. You need you you almost need somebody in his thirties who could play twenties. Because isn't how old is Smith when he comes back to Earth? Um, he's like twenty five. I want to say he's in his twenties. Yeah. Well, and and I think you you can do some interesting things. Um, when you when when the Sci Fi Channel adapted Dune, uh, the the first Dune miniseries. Yeah. Um, and um, this is the one with William Hurt, not the one with Patrick Stewart. Just to be clear, Kyle McLaughlin. Right. Yeah. Um, not the David Lynch version. Right. And the Alex – oh, goodness. I can't remember his name. The actor who played Paul. Um, that was James McAvoy, wasn't it? No, no. That was the – he was in the sequel and he played he played uh, Leto. Leto oh, okay. 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 Right. <laughs> um, yes. For those of you who are big James McAvoy fans, he got one of his earlier roles – not his first role, but one of his earlier roles was in the sequel, The Children, Children of Dune. Children of Dune. Yeah. Which combined uh, Dune Messiah and, and Children of Dune into one book because Dune Messiah is like – an afternoon's read. It's yeah, uh, and it's terribly depressing. So you would not want to do. <laughs> it's, it's the saddest. Doesn't end on a high note, does it? Well, basically, we've conquered the universe. We are, you know, the the, the emperor of the universe, and that he's blind, and his wife is dead, and his children are away, and everything <laughs> goes to hell. I mean, it's 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 it literally is you know the fall of an emperor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, but anyway, the. Uh, the actor who played him was kind of unknown, really. Br- uh, British actor. He, was, yeah. he, he certainly had he had track record before, but for the larger audience, certainly for American audiences, he was very unknown. So when you have that advantage, when you have it as an unknown, you're not carrying along the weight of your own history as an actor to color the role. Yeah, but something like that, so you know, they're gonna they're gonna try to get a name for oh, that part. Oh, one would think so, or or they or. They could do what they did in in the Dune first Dune miniseries is that you had somebody, you you, you actually the the cast, although again less so for American audiences, it was an international cast yeah. of well known actors outside the U.S. Well, and a lot of a lot of the shows that Sci Fi has got on there right now has got that same kind of thing, Dark Matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I haven't seen Killjoys, but uh, I think Killjoys has got that kind of, of casting mix. I enjoy Killjoys. Um, it's fun. What's the other one that uh, – The Expanse? Mm-hmm. The Expanse has a really broad mm-hmm. international cast. So I I would think that for this one, for, for Stranger in Strange Land, you'd probably do the same thing. You'd get and, – and to your point, you could do a relative unknown as Smith – but you've got to have somebody who can really carry that part. But you surround him with names. Oh, you get like you, you, know, get, you get like a Brie Larson to play Jillian, or uh, you know, you get Anthony Hopkins to play Jubal. You think? See, I have always seen Jubal more grizzled than that. You know, he reminds me of um, okay, the J.K. Simmons. <laughs> no, I see. I see him more as like Denver Pyle. You know, a, a little bit overweight, mm-hmm. grizzled. Um, Wilford Brimley would have been a great Jubal Harshaw. Oh, 
okay, sure. Yeah, that's that's what I've always pictured in my head because he's always because he, he always yeah, okay. you know he's a little self deprecating. He always right. talks about the fact he's not attractive. He's not, he's old. Mm-hmm. You know all of that stuff that he says about himself. Um, I'm trying to think who actually would do the guy who plays Snapper Carr on Supergirl. Oh, okay. Ian yeah, Gomez. I, I could see that, yeah. He, yeah. he may be a little bit young for it, but I could see somebody like him maybe doing it. Sure, or, sure. Um, I don't know. I've just seen – I have just I, I just picture this like a grizzled old combat veteran. Well, to some, to some degree, this is one of those stories that uh, it's going to be easier to cast than some – Heinlein stories mm. and harder, which is a yeah. Yep. No, no, I just gave myself the, all the options. <laughs> but no, I mean honestly, it, no, the, it is I, because I get what you're saying. because it's never been done before. On one hand, right, and while it has a huge audience, again we come back to the fact that uh, the hardcore science fiction fans, the ones who do deep dive into the back catalog. Mm-hmm. The ones who are reading all of Heinlein, all of Clark, all of Asimov, and going back getting, you know. I've just finished re-listening to the the unabridged audio of Larry Niven's Ringworld. Um, you have those folks, again, is a is a segment of the audience that they're going to be aiming wider than. Right. So it's, you like, have, it's like the Marvel movies. Yeah. So if you if you cast it well, the fans are going to lo- the, the the fans of the novel, the folks who know the novel, are going to enjoy it because you've cast it well. Yeah. And if you're if this is your first exposure to the novel, to the story, the casting is going to be what draws you in. Exactly. Yeah. Now the hard part is again, um, you're dealing with your. Uh, it's a novel where not a lot actually happens. Well, it's a drama. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's not big science yeah, it's, fiction. It's philosophical more than it is zip pow shoot Yeah, up. and that is pew pew. You have to have yeah, a really great writer adapt it uh-huh. because that's it's tough. It is the the all the adaptation problems that go from novel to cinema, novel to television, novel to, to the theatrical release are tough. They are very very hard. And right. if, if anyone has ever, you know, the, even the best adaptations of original written material make changes you can't get around the fact that novels and the you know written medium and the visual medium are do two different things and some things don't translate Mm -hmm. and so and it gets harder when you're dealing with concepts and internal dialogue um that was one of the things that tripped up um david lynch when he did dune was so much of Frank Herbert's novel is internal. It's people thinking about things. It's people, you know, dealing with the world on an internal level. And he went with the voiceover, which, as any fan of film noir such as myself can tell you, is really easy to get wrong by people who spent, you know, yeah. years in Hollywood doing nothing but writing voiceovers. And some of that is awful. <laughs> and, you know, so it is, it, it became a cliche for a reason. It became a bad, uh, bad cliche for a reason because it's really, really easy to get wrong. So that was just a, it was a stumbling block for a lot of audiences when they were watching, you know, among among other things. As much as as yeah. much as I'm a fan, actually, of the David Lynch version of Dune, it's be, uh, part of it is because it was the first adaptation of Dune, and I was at the right age where I'm like, 
oh, this is cool. I've read this book. This is completely yeah. wrong, but I'm having a great time watching it, right? Yeah. yeah, it hasn't aged well, though. No, it has not. And and I'm actually a big fan of the Sci-Fi Channel adaptations. Of, yeah, I thought that was much better. Um, I think, unfortunately, the second one, they stepped away. There's a there's a they did a lot of work with trans lights and stayed sound stages in the first one. So pretty much all of the external shots were basically shot on giant sound stages with giant, basically giant screens behind them, uh-huh. which they would project an image on. And oh, a, they did. They did rear projection. Yeah, really. Oh yeah, I did not it was, know that. It's gorgeous when you when you sit there and look at the how it all breaks down. But it gave a very dreamy, almost theatrical look to certain scenes. And almost an epic scale kind of things because you were able to play with stuff. But it was also a practical effect versus a digital effect. And now, I would imagine that would probably add to the depth in the shot, too. It did. Yeah. The problem with the second one was that they didn't do that. Hmm. It's actually fairly expensive to do. It's all green screen stuff. It's all, yeah. So there was a lot more green screen and there were some digital effects that didn't quite play. So, But even so, both adaptations attempted to do they attempted to do justice to the novel by dealing with some of the things that were tough to translate to the screen, which is Dune is a very political novel. It's a very uh, uh, ecological novel. It's a it's a novel about resources. It's a it's a metaphor for uh, the political time, the political world of of the time it was written. So there's a lot of stuff. I mean, there's you know. Uh, the Harkonnens are in some ways uh, an analogy for the Soviet Union. The Fremen are in some ways an analogous for the, you know, the Middle East. Um, there's certainly, in fact, you know what, folks, in, in this day and age, I'd recommend reading it just because it gives you an insight to cultures because Herbert was fascinated by culture. Mm-hmm. Right. You want to understand how people worked and how, and how they looked at, the, uh, looked at the world. And that informed the, the uh, all the way up through... Really, it informed everything all the way up through God Emperor of Dune. Beyond that, there were there were certainly things that played out beyond that. But those first four books, I think, are, the, all be, are certainly the strongest of the Dune books. Um, when that was really a huge focus of why we think the way we do mm-hmm. and what we do because of that. I need I need to go back into the archives because I when we were doing live from the bunker as a live show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would have been mm, a couple of years now. Yeah, uh, I got a chance to interview Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert mm-hmm. about their work on subsequent Dune books. Right. So I mean, I need to dig that out of the archives. We'll put that out there somewhere. Yeah, it's. <clears throat> but they dealt with the challenges of adapting that material in a way that, while not perfect, mm-hmm. certainly was enabled them to go deeper into the themes that that Herbert was talking about. Well, and the challenge with with Stranger in a Strange Land, besides the casting, is if you're going to do if you're going to do it as a TV series, where is your focus? Mm-hmm. Do you focus on the philosophical aspects of it, the the religion, the Church of All Worlds, and and that mm-hmm. part? Does that become your A line, or do you focus on Valentine Michael Smith is an alien? And he's changing us, and you know, there's that, you know, fear of the other mm-hmm. that could be your through line. You know, it, it really, you know, the approach to it, and you know, not not to to get into politics or anything on this, but they're already, you know, in, in the in the press release and the in the 
the uh, original announcements about it, mm-hmm. they were bringing in the current political climate already in as part of this. And I thought that is really – for me, that's a third rail. If they do it wrong, if they, if oh, they yeah. get no, I, and I would agree know, with ideological on, on one way or the other, they, they, they've got to stick well, with what's in the book. The, the book has a certain ideological bent and I think it, it, the, the problem that they could run into even, if, even with the best of intentions is that it also has a certain new agey mm. hippie feel. Right, and again, that that was to some degree came out of the time that he was writing it, and some of the things that were going on in, in you know Heinlein's head at the time. Right, but, but if they do it right, mm-hmm. they could skew that new age hippie stuff into more of an alien culture rather well, that's, than that's the way counterculture. That's the way it should be done, yeah. and I think that and and if if you're reading the novel outside of and not and not thinking of that as being or hanging over your head, um, then it doesn't have to be read that way, right? So, but I think the concern, the concern I have is that there's a line, and it's very fine, <laughs> that a really good writer can keep you on the side of the line that says, "Yes, if you look at it through a new age lens, you can see that there." But mm. that's not what we're talking about, yeah. And as opposed to some really well-intentioned writers, talented, well-intentioned writers have managed to push things so that it, it comes off a little too... Preachy. Well, not even preachy so much as it ends up being shallower. And not, not, to, not to knock any, any, any of our listeners who, who whatever, however things are classified for New Age and, and whatever you know, people believe, yep. but you end up doing a disservice to the larger ideas of the novel. And I think it's a real... Well, then, at, at that point, when you go past again, to adapting it, yeah, because you go past that line, it becomes almost a pastiche. Yeah, and and, and there's no depth to you're just surface right. painting with a broad brush, and you lose some of the some of the details in it. Right, and you can look at and and in coming not to harp on on uh, the original movie version of Dune, but it stripped out almost all the politics. Almost mm. all the religion, almost all the the mind, the mind body aspects, where which were significant ways of looking at how we deal with the outside world is how we deal with ourselves inside, and they stripped all that away because it's really hard to do in a two yeah. hour movie, and even if you've had the opportunity to watch the uh, various assembled versions of Dune, the Lynch version, I mean I've got a version at home which is like four hours long. Oh wow! Yeah, it's a lot of different pieces that got pulled together from and a couple of LA various sources looping around assembly cuts things that got worked back in. Even so, it's like yeah, you've cut out, you've cut so much out. So if they're treating it like a series, and there's an interesting. I mean, that's question, the word they've been using. But that's an interesting question of what sci-fi considers a series right now because Channel Zero just ended mm-hmm. its series run. It was six episodes long. So the first series season of that series is over. It was six episodes. Right. Um, if you're dealing with the British model, six to eight episodes, they call it a series, and it's done well. in some cases. So I think you could I, – I would be real surprised if it goes more than a single season and – I'd say probably 10 to 13 episodes at the if, most. Uh, I. I can't. I can't see anybody doing twenty-two episodes. No, on it. no, and, and I think maybe even thirteen episodes might be too long. 
well, ten, ten, uh, uh, yeah, I uh, give it 10 to 13 to give it some wiggle room for the time when you get uh, a writer who's going to pad. Sure, sure. Because, you know, how many shows have we – have we watched how many shows have we recapped and discussed on show on on podcasts like this where you know that that season could have been really great if it had been right. three episodes shorter exactly. you know yeah. it's like well this this episode they're just spinning their wheels this mm-hmm. is filler um you know once upon a time has done it walking dead's done it sure um uh, oh, that's what, that's know, what killed, done it that's what killed the uh that's what killed torchwood yeah, the final season of Torchwood, yeah, the, and there, the although children, there's, there's the mirac- no Miracle Day, Miracle Day, Miracle Day. Um, and although there's certainly rumors of Torchwood coming back, there's always rumors of Torchwood coming back. I don't think it's going to. Class, I've, I've heard the uh, audio is all it's going to be. Class has replaced it. Yeah, and and quite frankly, Class um, is dealing with some of the same themes, mm. which actually plays better when you're dealing with high schoolers. Yeah, sex and violence, high school. Yeah, okay. It, Actually works together a lot better, and that's actually that's actually a good place for us to uh, segue into our break because after the break we can talk about the sex because <laughs> Strangers <laughs> in Strange Land is no stranger to that aspect of storytelling. <clears throat> um, curiously, so, are we sure we're not going to put this on HBO? <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the question that we will discuss Follow when H two O continues right after this. You're listening to H2O on Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Jedi, Sith, Tauntauns, no matter which side of the Force you claim, we are your go-to holocron for all the latest Star Wars news, rumors, and innuendo. Imperial Intelligence has got nothing on us. We've got your salacious crumbs every other Sunday at 6 p.m. Central U.S. exclusively on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Sci-Fi for Me.com, your portal to the science fiction multiverse. And may the Force be with you. I'm meteorologist Brian Busby. If you're traveling to a convention this weekend, especially if you're a cosplayer, it helps to know what the weather's going to be like. Rain and fur don't mix very well, now do they? That's why every week, Sci-Fi for Me gives you the weather forecast for every city hosting a convention. Those we have on our list, anyway. And that's worldwide, not just in the United States. It's part of our commitment to bring you content you won't find anywhere else. Just click on the Conventions tab over at SciFiForMe.com, your portal to the science fiction multiverse. Sci-Fi For Me Radio, transmitting by the power of Grayskull. Welcome back, everyone. This discussion here on H2O, we're talking about Stranger in a Strange Land on Sci-Fi. Yes. I got an email... um, from not from Sci-Fi, but from representatives. Well, yeah, it was somebody somebody at NBC Universal sure. uh, offering up uh, the the press versions of Emerald City, mm-hmm. which is yeah. the new Wizard of Oz take. Vincent D'Onofrio is playing the wizard. Right. Um, it's ten episodes. Yeah. Now we were talking about you know with if, with Stranger in a Strange Land, if it's going to be a series, how many episodes would it be? Uh, the Wizard of Oz adaptation. Is ten episodes. Mm-hmm. So if we use that as a gauge, maybe Stranger in a Strange Land is going to be about the same. Maybe maybe they do it in ten. I think they could. I think that the because of the source material, because of the fact that so much of it is thought thought it, it, it's a, it's an idea novel. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's about it's 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 about things. It's about thinking about things. It's about 
looking at the world in a certain way and, and the effect that looking at that world has on the people around every character in the, in the novel. Right? Yeah. It's, it's the impact of, of Smith's worldview and teachings on other people and how it changes Earth in a way that nobody saw coming, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to have time to let it breathe. You have to have time to actually have – if you're going to talk about big ideas, give it time to talk about big ideas. Right. Shorthand is something that, that writers use all the time to get things across, and then you see that a lot in, in films. It's you know, visual shorthand, right? Yeah, archetypes and yeah. character types and stuff. And sometimes um, mm-hmm. sci-fi has had a mixed – History in some of those. Mm. Mm. Uh, we can talk about, uh, oh, let's see, Riverworld. <laughs> which one? Versions. Both of them? Yeah. Neither one, which was any good. No offense to the fine folks who worked on them in the fine cast and crews. They were terrible. They were bad adaptations. Mm. Uh, uh, Earth, The Earthsea movie. What do you think of Tin Man? Okay, so I actually am something of a fan of looking at things like classic novels and reinterpreting them in weird settings because mm. sometimes that can be very very interesting and a lot of fun okay i have mixed feelings about tin man because on some on some levels i thought it was very interesting but you know what it was also kind of forgettable for me yeah um it's not something i ever felt compelled to own what about alice because like that, that was another one. <laughs> <laughs> that was another one that was done in that same kind right, of right. style. It's like, oh, let's do this. Yeah, it looked like they were going to try and do that for a while. Gritty because and ste- it, it's, it's basically steampunk adaptations, right. Of classic, and novels. I think that's kind of interesting. But at the same time, it doesn't. There wasn't anything that sat there and grabbed me in a way that said, "This is really, really cool. Let's have more of these." Now, if they had done steampunk Sleeping Beauty, you'd have been all over that, right? I don't know. Is, how's the script? Can I see the script? Is it any good? Steampunk shoots and ladders. You know they're making a shoots and ladders. Oh movie. God, I know. It, now, see if they're making snakes and ladders. They're making. Well, uh, that's true. That could be. They could be doing. That's it, but completely as far different. As I know, as far I as know. I know, it shoots and ladders. And for the Candyland, Steampunk Candyland. Actually, that could be terrifying, <laughs> and that might actually make a reason to make it happen. Um, for those of you, the, the Snakes and Ladders is actually the original game, and then Shoots and Ladders is the Americanized version. For mm-hmm. those of you who don't who don't know what that Snakes and Ladders is, yeah, um, is it is it British? It's British. It's yeah. British. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but still, I mean, you know, think about it. Uh-huh. You're running up a ladder to escape the snake that's trying to kill you. There's your plot. There's your plot. It's a it's a it's a dungeon movie. Ooh. Oh no! Wait, it's set in the 1940s, and it's a Indiana Jones just kind of thing. There you but go. You're fighting like magical snakes. I there you go. All over this. There you go. Dear Hollywood. <laughs> Send the check to. Exactly. See, you know, if we, if we had the resources. Uh, I know. I know. And the time. And the time. And the, and the time. And the <laughs> desire to adapt another board mm. game into. You well, know, yeah. They keep threatening to remake Clue. Did you see. Don't do it, Hollywood. Did you see the 3D. Death Star Clue? No. <laughs> There's actually there is actually a version of Clue. And I, I didn't I didn't click on the link, but I just saw the, the unless, little headline. Unless it is you Tim know, Curry in his forties is playing is, Darth Vader. I don't it's even care. Figuring out, it's figuring <laughs> out how to get out of the Death Star. 
but it is a clue. Oh my! And it's a 3D board set on the Death Star. Okay, so. that actually sounds like it would be pretty cool to, to play. Um, but the fact that we actually had one good one, one good board game adaptation. And Three, it, if you count the different endings. Well, but that was the. 80s, the early 90s. Uh, I mean, come on, guys. Let's 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 put this in perspective here, okay? Well, and, and the other the other thing too is it's if you're doing actually has a plot. I, I, yeah. Well, I mean, okay. the 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 clue that we got mm-hmm. was basically a Pink Panther ish murder mystery. Of course, which is the only and thing it just do. happened to be populated with the clue. Characters, right? Which is the so, closest you know, thing, you're, it's, it's, and that's what you do. But that's again, it's the only it's the only game that actually has a plot because there's a murder you have to solve it, right? Okay, and it's relatively silly because you have characters who names like you know mustard, Mister mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Body, Mister Body. Yeah, so I mean, you gotta you have to. Okay, I reviewed uh, Battleship. Remember that. Did you? Uh, yeah. I think that's okay. how forgettable it was. The review <laughs> yeah. was even forgettable because the movie was forgettable. Well, we have turned out so much content since then. Well, you know, yes, and you know, I have to. I have to think for a minute. And I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, I think I said something nice about Rihanna's performance, and that might have been the extent of it. I think I remember that now. Yeah, she was saying that because that was one of her first acting gigs. She did fine. She, there huh. was, she didn't. She didn't have anything wrong with with her performance. Um, but but. It was Transformers Light, and and that was not a praise. That's not a praise line. That's that's a that's kind of like me saying, well, it sure was pretty." Now, oh, speaking of pretty, that gets us into their. Our, oh yeah, there'll be a lot of question. pretty. There will be yes. Um, okay, so yeah, you have in in the back third, I guess, mm. of the book. Mm. Yeah. Once the once the church is established, right. and you know he's he's this mythical figure on Earth now, and he's got a following, and there's there's all of this um, philosophy and religion that that crops up around him, and you have all of these people that are following him now. Sure. There are his acolytes uh-huh. and his disciples. There's a lot of nudity. There's a lot of uh, free your mind, free your body, free your spirit, free love. Uh, stuff. Which I think is, again, you can run into the, that can become a caricature very quickly and that's going to be a real challenge. But mm-hmm. yes, there's going to be a lot of nudity and sex if it's true to the novel. And how do you do that on network television? <sighs> you don't. And that's going to be an interesting thing because you can dance up to the line. Mm-hmm. Now, if, uh, Battlestar Galactica, the original miniseries. The, the the sci-fi channel. Okay, the, 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 the Ron, yeah, right. Ronald Moore's. Right. Okay, right. So when you had the sex scene between Six and Baltar. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, very sensual scene. Right. Uh, you see her back. Yes. It's the creative – it's the – the a naked back is the – Creative it, use of angles. It is the shorthand. It is the visual shorthand for a sex scene is, oh, look, it's a, a beautiful well, naked yeah, back. The physical movement is also a oh, clue. Yeah, that's yes. kind of a clue. But that's but, all framed. It's all framed. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the dirty bits are framed off, off right. camera. Um, 
it's a real challenge if you're going to be true to that. Because honestly, it's the kind of thing that if you were to do a straight adaptation of what's on the page, you would need to go over to HBO. Showtime. HBO, Showtime. Uh, where, you know, Game of Thrones can get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And they certainly, and they've, and they've, you know, they've got that whole market on historical nudity down, right? Mm-hmm. I question just how historical it is. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Right. Yeah. Well, of course, but it's it's well, it's it's historical enough for the folks who aren't reading history. But the there's ways there's ways to do it to a point. I think what we're going to end up with is kind of the well, it's like they didn't creative camera work. Well, they do like they did in John Carter because in the novels, yeah. Dejah Thoris is naked. They all are. Yeah. And that's clearly something that... And that actually might have given them a bigger box office. But, <laughs> again, hard to do. Disney never would have known what to do with it. They oh, didn't no. know what to do with it anyway. Exactly. But so it would have been, you know, it would have it been tough to do. It really would have had a challenge. <laughs> but, so you, you, have to make, you have to make some adaptational choices. Yeah. But at the same time... And that's one of the things that makes me nervous is because because they're going to step – I think they're going to have to step away from that. You know, yes, they might sit there and broadcast it later and sit there and say, hey, folks, we're pushing the line here because we're on cable and we can push it a little bit. But we're going to push up the, we're going to push up to the level of what we would normally do. Right. OK. Let me ask you this then. Yeah. What are the possibilities that – because it's now becoming – Fair game on this, where you have, like in the case of Suicide Squad or mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman, where you have the theatrical release, and then you have the uncut version that gets re- released on home sure. video, and maybe, <clears throat> maybe at this point, now it's almost. Maybe maybe it's not the model yet, but maybe we're maybe we're gravitating toward that being the model where you have the broadcast version and it's then a, you have the uncut, unaired, never before seen on TV sure. MNC seventeen not a bits version. Well it's entire I think that's certainly a possibility. I think it would be So here's 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 where that gets tricky. Because the Sci-Fi Channel is not just a U.S. thing. Okay, no. They partner with a lot of networks across the world. They are they either have their own they either have their own presence on their own, or, mm-hmm. they've, or they've, they're broadcasting their content on other platforms. Right. And there is a difference between what is broadcast in the UK version or the Australian version or the Canadian version yeah. than what is broadcast in the states, because there are different social strictures um if you look at the versions of what is broadcast um there are subtle differences between shows like winona earp in language certain certain words right okay certain lines of dialogue are um you know there's, there's a little more swearing in international versions than what we get in, in u.s airings um it's a canadian co-production right yeah right so you look at some of these things that and European audiences, for example, um, uh, Australia, New Zealand, and I think Canada to some degree, have less of an aversion to nudity, but they have more of an aversion to violence. 
Well, A Stranger in a Strange Land is not a violent story. Right. But if you look at, you know, the, the British the British guidelines are more concerned with is this a violent <coughs> film that we don't want to show this instance of violence, whether or not we show breasts. Mm-hmm. They're, they're we you know, the U.S. is a little the, kind of the opposite way. We apparently are okay with showing just about any kind of violence at this point, it seems. But if we, you know, if, if a... If, you have a, a topless scene that it's immediately a hard R, right? right? And which is kind of ridiculous, but nobody understands the rating system anyway. So, whatever, <laughs> it's all subjective. Yeah. So it's the the possibility of them shooting a version that is different than what actually gets aired in the states is pretty likely. Actually, I, I was on I was on the crew of. Uh, Low budget indie film in the early nineties, mm-hmm. and I was on. It was it, it was a cop drama type yeah. thing. Chris Mitchum was in it. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, wait, wait, was uh, a cop drama? Was there a strip club scene? Yeah, there's a strip club scene. <laughs> it's every cop drama. Every thing. cop drama has a strip club scene. So we're in the strip club, and it wasn't. I, I don't even remember if it was really a strip club. I think I think it was just it had been re, redressed. Mm-hmm, sure, yeah. And so we shot two versions mm-hmm. of a couple of scenes right. where you had the the girls on the poles. Sure. And in one version, you had you know, bikinis or right. you know, some yeah. something they had on, and they they are the version they didn't have anything on. Right. Sure. And that was for the different markets. Yeah. Like you say, it's it's okay. Now we do the R version, and we reset everything and, and shot it again. So yeah, I I think you know that's long been a practice, but I think nowadays it's probably the the audience is more aware that there can be more than one version of something. Yeah, and I and, think that for if we end up, you'll end up with an American audience if your only option is watching it on broadcast and then getting it on your digital download or your DVD or whatever the format they release it on. It's going to be. I think if you're going to cut it. That's where that stuff's going to get cut. But what's weird and what what I wonder about is because it's actually a – it's an integral part of the novel without being particularly it, – It's not a make or break it part. No, it's not a make or break it part. But it, it's also part of the overall atmosphere without being particularly – oddly enough, without being particularly sexual. I mean, there's sex mm, in the novel. Yeah, right. There's going to be there's going to be sex there's sex things that that are going to be interesting to how they're going to figure out how to do. But right. at the same time, it's also it's kind of like Westworld right now. Okay, so Westworld has a ton of nudity. Okay. It is very clinical. Yeah. There's there's well, the robots. Yeah. There's nothing. There's very little that's. Um. They're they're very attractive actors. But there's very little that's actually sexual about it. Mm. Life Force. Life Force would be another example like that. Yeah, but Life Force is that weird Ish. film <laughs> where <laughs> Life Force is Life Force is the film where the people who are writing it just sat there and went <laughs> <laughs> Naked Space Vampire. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, are we out of coke? <laughs> what do we do? What uh, What have we heard? Have we heard anything more about the about the new adaptation of that? The reboot. The remake? No, whatever. I have not heard anything in a while, and I think that probably because I want to say it went away. 
I, I have to think it does because at some point, I want to so, hope that it someone away. has to explain to a to a studio executive who actually controls the money <laughs> what they want to do, and then yeah. they're gonna sit there and say it's based on a movie called Life Force that came out here and it had Patrick Stewart in it, and they're gonna, he's going to go, really? Could I watch it? They're going to go, no, <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't. Oh, do you see? Uh, speaking of adaptations, um, Neil Gaiman mm-hmm. is working on a new series. For Fox, I do believe. Is he now? It's called The Building. We're actually getting ready to, to post an article about it. It's based on a low-budget indie flick that hit Netflix called Parallels. And I started to watch it, and it was in it was in the process of this was before we figured out that all of my cable was oh yeah trashed. Yeah. Uh-huh. So anytime I tried to start watching it, I'd get this. Oh, we're unable to play this right now. Oh, you try something else. Yeah. So I gave up on it. So I need to go back and look at it. But basically, what this is is this group of people, this group of kids, teenagers, whatnot. They go into this building, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, the building shifts into alternate universes. Oh, okay. And and some of the and, you know, and then of course they get separated mm-hmm. and so now they gotta figure out how to get back to where they were in the right, other yeah. alternate and they go out and it's a completely different universe, right? So the guy who wrote that is one of the executive producers for this mm-hmm. one. So basically now they're taking that film and they're adapting it as a series to go on Fox. Interesting. It's called the building. That sounds interesting. I actually I'm the Remakes more, and reboots galore. But I, but I tell you what, if you're going to do that, then you basically you're that's adaptation expansion. Yeah, it's actually a TV trope. You can actually go look it up. Adaptation expansion, where they actually sometimes could be a really really bad thing. But that well, sounds like the kind of thing that, especially if you're going to bring in someone like Gaiman who likes going deep into things, deep yeah. and wide. See, the thing is, is, though, when you do something like that, mm-hmm. it's not as well known. So the expectations right, sure. are not going to be what they are for. Stranger in a Strange Land, or Brave New World, or Gateway, or you know, any any oh, of these well, classic okay. novels. Whatever happened to the Sandman adaptation? I think that one's it's dying on the vine. Dead on the vine. I really has, do think. It well, has the, to be a. Uh, I think. What did I read? The guy, the screenwriter, left, and he said it has to be a TV series. It can't be yeah, a movie. It can't be a movie. I mean, it's you. I I read the comics since. Issue one, all the way through to the end. Mm-hmm. I picked it up every single month. It was one of the few, uh, even even when I was, this is not too far off from now, even <laughs> when I was terribly poor. Um, Let I me still, show you my bank account. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I still picked. I still picked it up because it was, you know, some. It was one of the finest comic books being published at the time, right? And uh, pretty much of of any time. It's, it's it is a work of art, and I, if you haven't read it, folks, I highly recommend it. But there are very few arcs. There's a lot of story arcs that could be adapted into a film. The problem is, is that you would have to drop in in the middle of the story. Mm. And because Hollywood does not know how to do a film (laughs) that is not an origin story, and because he's the kind of character you actually would have to give the audience the origin story. You have to give him some background. Well, see, that's when you do the the six-hour miniseries. Mm -hmm. You drop into the middle, and then you go... Three days earlier. Actually, it would be something 300 like... 300 years earlier. Yeah, 300 years earlier. Yeah. Pre-recorded yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so, and again, it, it's another one where the casting is absolutely critical. And mm-hmm. it's a real challenge to adapt this stuff. Again, it's... 
Okay, and we just we just saw it with we just saw it with um, the Killing Joke. Yeah, and we, who who came along on the voice cast for the Killing Joke? The right people. Oh yeah, yeah. and and the it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So it's yeah, it's an incredibly huge challenge. I'm I'm really nervous. I would actually be surprised. I was actually surprised. I would think that like the moon is a harsh mistress, or even Friday. They're still trying to get that one. A Friday would be good. Friday would be very. good. I but, think Friday would be a, a fun romp. Well, and especially considering that right now the Sci Fi Channel has. Well, you know what you know what makes me think of Friday, hmm. Lucy. Well, okay, so so Lucy it was is a good example of how Friday could be done, mm-hmm. except that Friday's better than. Um, <laughs> Well, and it's it's a character who is who is strong and sexy and uh-huh. independent. Uh, the the Sci Fi Channel actually is doing really well with female led series, and so they're not really showing a whole lot of the the fear that you know the big theatrical Hollywood releases are having with female led action films. Right. You know, I mean the 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 response to shows you know even. Uh, Van Helsing got off to a rocking start, a rocky start, but it seems to have settled into a solid show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Winona Earp, uh, Killjoys, um, Dark Matter, all have really strong female characters. They're doing really well with that right now, and so I don't know if it's eh, you know that's one of those things where your special effects budget would automatically be big. You just can't get around the fact that if to do it right, you would end up having to have you know a fairly sizable. Special effects, but yeah, you would. Although, honestly, you're gonna have a fairly decent sized one with Stranger in a Strange Land. Would you? I think. Well, if you want to establish Mars as being a place and being, I mean, I think you have. Yeah, to. but none of the story actually takes place on Mars. But you have to be able to sell it because otherwise, I, 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 I mean, yes, you can. You can, yeah, the majority. The of, but, opening maybe you put it on me. But if you yeah, in, introductory, you have scene. to give us a future world that's believable too. I mean, yeah. even, even if you just go Blade Runner future, which I think would actually – the visual aesthetic would actually be kind of okay mm-hmm. to go – Not not quite so grimy, but no, yeah. No, not so bright. Not yeah. so but even, even that, that a certain level of – well, that lived-in sense and that a lot of science fiction shows don't get right anyway. You know what they could do? Yeah. They could do um, – you know, of course, it's going to be computer-generated. Of whatever this Whatever this ubiquitous you know, generic city mm-hmm. that they use for Stranger in a Strange Land – off to the other side of the river is the city where Fahrenheit 451 can take place. And <laughs> oh, then the other just adi- down the road. The other remake that's never going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> that's actually – and I've thought, I've, I thought about this a while back. Uh, I'm not sure you could make Fahrenheit 451. Oh, sure now. you could. No, I, yeah, I know you could. I know you could make it. Yeah, you could do it. I know. You, I know. It could and depending be done. depending on who makes it, it would either resonate and would really do well, mm-hmm. or it would turn into this terrible thing. Well, and it's a curi- it's a curious thing because, of course, um, Bradbury was looking at. The impact of television on the written word, mm-hmm. which a lot of people apparently never realized that he was going. No, really, it's TV is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, for for a, someone who looked 
to the future as much as he did. He was very much a traditionalist when it came to – Well, it was like TV is going to kill movies yeah. and oh, now yeah. the internet is going to kill TV. Well, radio and... is going to kill everything. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean – And video killed the radio star. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> um, curiously enough, that only worked when MTV was really a music video channel. You, okay. Kids, <laughs> the letters MTV actually at one point stood for music television. It was under their their logo. It was mm-hmm. MTV music television. Right. Not yeah, so much anymore. That's right. No, and although YouTube certainly has stepped in to be the broadcast medium for music, music videos, of course, are still around. But radio has made an incredible resurgence. Mm-hmm. So, especially the talk radio. Radio is doing okay. Yeah. Well. Uh, uh, Original programming in terms of in terms of dramas. I mean, the podcast bo- podcast is the new radio. Yes, right. In many ways, for for scripted material. Yeah. Well, even even unscripted. I mean, this is this is one thing that I, I've talked about before. That I had this mental block mm-hmm. for the longest time. I was like, you know, podcast. How are we going to do podcasts? I couldn't wrap my head around it. Right. Until the light just. I mean, I had this little bing moment, <laughs> and uh, well, it's radio. You download. Right. It, you know, and when when that clicked, yeah, it was all of a sudden. Well, I shoot, I've done radio. I can do this. This mm-hmm. is not anything. Well, when our phones and our computers became the box, what the sound comes out of. Uh-huh. That I mean, this the phone I'm holding in my hand for the folks who can't see me at home. And if you can't see him, you're not watching our YouTube channel. That's true because we're actually. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is still, still recording. Yeah, it's still recording. <laughs> I checked. All right. So. You're yeah. checking again. Now keep checking. <laughs> I am. <laughs> but it, this, keep looking. This, this little tiny thing, which is – it is less than an inch thick and it's what? I wouldn't even say it's half an inch thick. Six inches long. This is – seven inches long. This is a radio. <coughs> it's a radio and a television and – Movie theater. Movie theater. Newspaper. No, I can't watch movies on, on something this small. It would drive me crazy. Well, you can. I can. You don't want to. Remember when phones – remember that little stretch time where people – People were buying phones that had movies coming installed on the on uh, the phone, uh, uh, and they were smaller screens than this. I remember. Like, I remember well. Doing? And I uh, when I I had the I had a, fl- a Motorola flip phone for the longest uh, time. Sure. Because I didn't want to do the upgrade. I was like, right. I yeah, just no. don't want to mess with it. So it was. It wasn't until I lost the antenna on the phone that I had to do the upgrade. Mm-hmm. Ended up getting a BlackBerry. Yeah. And when I went in to the store. I'm looking around. I'm looking around, and this is in the age where all of the phones had to be small. Oh yeah, sure. All of us, all you know, smaller the better. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm walking around, and this this little you know high school college age punk comes up. <laughs> and like, Can I help you? And I was like, You got anything? It doesn't look like it came out of a Cracker Jack box. <laughs> I mean, really? I I mean, the one that I've got, it fits in my pocket. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. I can pretend it's a communicator. You know, whip <laughs> it out of the back pocket. But Get the right other than out. that, it's I. I'm not going to do my anti-technology rant again. Well, but, but again, but, you, you you know, it's I, a useful tool. You and I come from a generation where we were used to phones being a stationary object mm-hmm. on the wall, and the we also come from the generation that is unfortunately, I think, the last generation that looks at movie theaters as an event. Going to the movies is an event, right? And there's a lot of reasons why it has not is no longer an event. But I think that that when we were kids, 
because we have to have at least one when we were kids comment per episode. Uh, it's in the contract, guys. <laughs> it I'm is sorry. mandatory. We're, it's mandatory. If it doesn't, if, actually, we're doing this to stop you, stop the the incursion of the extra dimensional beings. Because if we don't do this, they break through the wall. And, yeah, and we don't want that. To happen. The stars are right. It's very bad. So, but the thing is, is that they're green. <laughs> it's not. It's not a. It's not the big thing that it used to be. No. So, but at the same time, when you and I are watching movies, if we're watching them on a computer, we're go- we're going for the biggest. We're blowing up that that window as big as we can on the computer, or watching right. it on our television, because we want to see. We want it to be as big of an experience as we can personally mm-hmm. make it with our with the right. stuff we got at home. So, watching a movie for us on something. I mean, this screen is what that's what. Five inches by three inches, maybe something like that. That's yeah. that's not a ridiculously small thing. You could watch. I could hold this up to my face and watch a movie on it. And sure, but why would you want to? Why would I want to? Because yeah. I can watch it at home on my on my twenty seven inch iMac. It's bigger than most televisions. Well, not mo- not anymore, but <laughs> yeah, bigger, bigger than the televisions that I grew up with. So I mean, there's well, some, you know, and it's not as it's it's uh, not as big as the TV sets that will watch you back. Well. You know, I've actually got a piece of tape over the camera. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. My, um, my my TV does not have a camera. I have not set. So. I have never. I've actually haven't set up the. No, I did use. I did set it up because we used it for we used it for a conference call or a podcast or something. Mm. Uh, where I actually used we we tested out my new internet connection. That's right. Um, and then I tested it. We did it again with the new the new Mac because the old Mac, which I still have. You've seen the one that I've got downstairs. I know. I know. Well, my my 2006 iMac is not as is not as old as your. No, I have I have an Apple <laughs> two downstairs. Mm-hmm. It still powers and, up. Well, oh, it stopped powering up. Okay. <laughs> I have slept since the last time I turned the whole thing on. Mm-hmm. I have moved things around because oh, we did the upgrade yeah, in the yeah, bunker yeah, and all that. Uh-huh, sure. Here's my challenge. Mm-hmm. The monitor has a power switch. Right. Okay. I plug the whole thing into power. Mm-hmm. Flip the power switches on. The computer itself, because it's two units. You have right. a monitor sure. and you uh-huh. have the you have the p the the deck mm-hmm. the computer part. I can't find the power button, and I can't remember how to turn the thing on. There's this thing called the internet. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> got to look that up. You can you can find that information. I've been busy. <laughs> it hasn't really been top of my list of to do things well, because you know clearly your priorities are skewed. No, I, I they are. I completely get that. No, they it's. Uh, but as far as I know, yes, that the uh, the Apple II <laughs> still powers up, still boots up. Bing. Oh yeah. Boom. Whatever that. Oh sure, is. yeah, it still does it. They really haven't changed the, the power up noise for uh, Apple's. I saw what was it? I saw Max. the was it two the two C? Mm-hmm. Somebody came up with a with a software upgrade for it here recently. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's an update update to the operating system for an Apple II. Uh, it was funny. Oh so, wow. 
So, so okay, so let's let's do this. Let's knock our heads together and let's figure out our quote unquote dreamcast. Oh yeah, that's... for a stranger in a strange land. Those of you who are listening, those of you who are watching, you are you are free to participate oh, as well. Please do. Yeah. Send us an email h two o at sci fi for me dot com. Let us know who you would cast, whom whom you would cast in the roles. Uh, on on this adaptation for Stranger in a Strange Land, you got Valentine Michael Smith, you got Jubal Harshal, you got Jillian, you got There's Jillian's boyfriend, a fairly sizable cast. You got the you three, do, you the three assistants. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so because I think that again, it is there's two there's two parts of this that are going to be absolutely critical, and I think if, finding out who the writer is because again the adaptation has got to be really really good, mm-hmm. and the casting, and and that may sound like an obvious thing. Yeah, you have to have a good script and a good cast. But when you're dealing with when you're dealing with some of these classic science fiction stories, mm. these things that sh- shaped the readership of the genre, you have to be really, really careful because you can it can go wrong. Um, we talked about how we were just let down with childhood childhood's end. Yes, and because it's not it's not that it's a bad miniseries. It's an interesting miniseries, but we're holding it up against the book. Yeah. And, you know, why why Rendezvous with Rama is never going to get made <laughs> because no. you've got to hold it up against the book. And, and well, you have to have a book where, where the ending is like, and then the ship went away. Spoiler well, alert for – Well, um, uh, they've been talking about doing a, a remake of Something Wicked This Way Comes. Yes. Let's not. <laughs> All right. Dreamcast, who would you put in? Uh, Stranger in a Strange Land for sci-fi. Next week, we will be off for Thanksgiving. Everybody have a good holiday. Yes. And then we will be back with episode 140 on the other side of Thanksgiving. <laughs> and uh, we'll compile your email suggestions and send that to h2o at sci com, Or you can leave comments on all the so- – we're on all of the social media. And um, we'll be back here for another conversation here in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2016 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio.